0: Today's show is brought to you by my friends at Winefellas. Winefellas is your wine club for small allocation, hard to find natural wines from around the world. They specialize in organic and biodynamic wines that are made using traditional winemaking methods, but with minimal intervention. They're free of added sugar and chemical additives. They're low in sulfites. They're bottlings the wine world describes as, quote, natural wines. These are wines as they were meant to be enjoyed with nothing standing between you and pure expressive fruit what i love most about wine fellas aside from the fact that they only source the best natural wines in the world but they also go the extra mile by giving you a fact sheet on each bottle that contains authentic alcohol content residual sugars sulfur dioxide and parts per million ph and acidity Learn more about Winefellas by visiting them at Winefellas.com, that's W-I-N-E-F-E-L-L-A-S.com, and be sure to use the code FEDANDFIT for $10 off your first wine club shipment. Welcome back to another episode of the Fed and Fit podcast. I'm your host, Cassie Joy Garcia, and today we are back with the fourth and final installment of listener Q and A. So let's go ahead and jump right into it. In case you missed the first three installments, we talked about everything from mindset to business ideas, lots of baby questions, pregnancy questions, uh, postpartum fitness pregnancy, nutrition, and so on and so forth. Today we are zeroing in on specific questions about nutrition and questions about safer skincare. Obviously two of my primary passions. (laughs) So let's get into it. So our first question is from Paleo Mrs, Paleo MRS. She's asking, how do you feel about bulletproof coffee and intermittent fasting? This is a great question. I actually get both of these questions pretty often, which is kind of funny because they're so specific. Uh, when it comes to Bulletproof Coffee, I have no problem with it, but I'm also, I am also don't see it as um, a cure-all in a lot of ways, right? You know, every once in a while, a new product will pop up and it's the new must-have because it'll help solve XYZ. And I'm always cautious of um, things that are that claim to solve a lot of a lot of things, especially if they're food products. So I think bullet, bulletproof coffee for those of you who aren't familiar, um, the homemade variety is where you take some butter or coconut oil, some sort of a really great fat, you put it in with your hot coffee, stay with me, it's delicious, <laughs> and, and then you can add, um, if you really want to get fancy, I've made it with collagen peptides, I'll throw those in there, which are really great for hair hair and nail and skin growth, uh, some maple syrup is what I personally like to sweeten my coffee with, it's delicious, you should try it if you are looking for a safer sweetener. Uh, And then I like to put a little bit of cream in my coffee, and then sometimes I'll also add in uh, some sort of a spice, whether it's a cinnamon or Primal Palette has a bunch of really wonderful sweet blends, like a ginger snap blend, Um, and I'll, I'll sprinkle a little bit of that in there, and you blend it up, and what you get is a really delicious latte. Uh, type of beverage and it has a nice foamy top it's just wonderful and because you added that butter or that uh, coconut oil or whatever your chosen fat was ghee and you blend it in you're able to start the day with a little uh, some healthy fats in your stomach while you're drinking your coffee and some folks really like it for a lot of reasons there are some people who choose for example to go through uh, follow a keto type Dietary plan, and of course, they would probably skip the maple syrup and the cream in their version and just rely on the fats. And then, other folks who like to intermittent fast will rely on this because it gives their body some fat based calories um, that will kind of help hold them through. And other people like it because they think that it's a great way to skip breakfast, right? Because they want their coffee but they also don't wanna eat a meal. And so instead they're gonna have a beverage that has a couple extra hundred calories with the fats. So that's kind of what it is. When I enjoy, when I personally drink a bulletproof type coffee or a buttered coffee, whatever you wanna call it, I will enjoy it Um, I enjoy it with a meal. It's never a meal replacement for me, and that's because I'm a big believer in really balanced meals three times a day. I want some protein, some sort of a starch, and some sort of a fat at every meal. And if I can, I would like to vary those micronutrient groups up as much as possible, right? So I'll throw in some leafy greens, I'll throw in some different starches, whether it's plantains, I'm thinking for breakfast specifically, plantains or potatoes, or maybe even a slice of gluten-free bread. Um, I'll throw all kinds of those things in there, and uh, goodness, and proteins run the full spectrum. So for me, it's always a nice added-on thing. I treat it like I would treat a latte. You know, I don't get a latte every day from a Starbucks or another coffee company, and that's exactly how I treat Bulletproof Coffee, is more of just a delicious treat with some added nutrients, But not necessarily something that I would lean on as a crutch for every day. And as far as intermittent fasting goes, it's an interesting question. I recommend if you haven't already, look up the episodes. uh, The latest episode with Jimmy Moore talking about his um, book most recent. He's coming out with another one very soon. But uh, the book before that one about, I believe it's, I mean, I cannot remember the name of it. Something, The Keto Plan, I believe. Something along those lines, it's a keto book. Uh, And he co-authored it. And he's got some really interesting thoughts about intermittent fasting there. And he also talks about the different kinds of fasting in general. So that's a really good start. And then Mark Sisson was recently on my show as well. And he talked about fasting uh, and keto actually in particular. So those would be some good references. I personally do not advocate a fasting model. But that's mostly because it's just not what works for me. Um, I do believe you can call it intermittent fasting. If you want, I do believe in three square meals a day and snacking only with, um, strategy in mind. So I don't eat a bunch of little meals throughout the day. I try to have breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And the only times I snack unless I'm pregnant or breastfeeding, but the only times that I snack is if I have a workout that throws off my schedule. Okay, so you could say, and I've talked about this extensively in other places, you can also find it in my book, um, all that good stuff, but uh, so you could say that I do recommend a mini fast between each meal, and I think that's really great, especially if you're trying to get your body to go from being more sugar adapted to more fat adapted, right? Meaning relying on fat for energy, for fuel, instead of just constantly needing a surge of glucose to keep going through the day. Um, anyways, that's kind of that's kind of how I feel about both of those two things. I hope that's helpful. Okay, Real Food, y'all asked another question. She says, does your husband eat the same way as you? Mine is super picky, so we each mostly cook our own meals. It's been this way for years. I'm losing hope he'll ever care about his health, and it's hard being tempted by junk food that I can't remove from the house. Any ideas? Ooh, that is a pickle, isn't it? Uh, Austin, my husband... He eats what I eat, but it's not because he would make it himself, if that makes any sense. He eats he eats the foods that I cook because <laughs> that's what's hot and available. If I'm out of town, he, I think I may have talked about this recently on a show. I made it, I don't remember what show it was, but if I'm out of town, he, and this is before Grayson was born, but he said that he would take Gus, our great Pyrenees, and they go on a mandate, and he would go to the local taco place drive through and get five bean and cheese tacos on flour tortillas and that would be his dinner and he would share some of that with gus which is really awesome right for both of them uh sarcasm so you know austin he has slowly noticed over the years we've been dating now for six years i think we've been together six years And he's noticed over time that he feels better when he eats mostly foods at home or he abides by no breads when we go out. Uh, And sometimes he'll do that. We'll be out and I'll order a burger with no bun and he'll order a burger with no bun. But there are also sometimes where we're on a road trip and by golly, he's just going to go ahead and get that Chick fil A sandwich with the bun and all the breading and all that good stuff. So it varies. And he says, you know, man, I just don't feel good right now when he has those kinds of things. So. Um, he's not quite as particular about it as I am. I, Austin is one of those people who, um, it was, it was very apparent that I wasn't well when I wasn't feeling well, right? I had painful joints. I had uh, a lot of mental fog. I was really sleepy. I was kind of blue and I was very puffy. And he, on him, on the alternative, he would, he, his, intolerances kind of manifest and there's more sneaky than mine were right um and so it was hard for him to pay attention his was digestive but it was hard for him to really realize you know draw that correlation um in addition to blood pressure but again not everybody's checking their blood pressure every day so he does he slowly started to eat more and more like me which has been helpful since i've been eating more and more you could call them conventional foods right we eat a lot of rice in our house um, I do a lot of dairy, and so that's just kind of made it feel like to him, we aren't doing anything weird. The only thing we don't do is I just don't order buns when I'm out, unless they have a delicious gluten-free bun available. Um, so any advice on how to get there, you know, it really, you can't force somebody, I'm sure you, I know you know this, but you really can't force anybody to want to take control of certain things. Um, it, has to be some, it has to be a decision that they come to, or won't, will not stick right? So maybe what to do is to ask them, start the conversation, how did you feel after that meal, right? And really start getting them to connect how they feel with what they eat by just asking questions. And it's not that you're trying to get them to give you an answer because everybody's going to be different, right? Maybe maybe he's the person that can tolerate a bunch of foods that unfortunately you can't and that's fine if that's the case but but it could also be the alternative what if you he ordered pizza one night regular pizza um you can ask him how'd you feel after that meal and if he said he felt kind of groggy ask him why let him give you the answers and let him come to those conclusions because it sounds like uh and this is true for pretty much everybody we have to get there on our own if we're going to make a really huge change and then support them support him in that if he wants to order a regular pizza again encourage him go for it i'm curious to know if you, if it's going to affect you the same way next time you know and that comes from a place of love and curiosity not from a place of wanting to get them to comply with what you are doing and what you consider important i hope i hope that kind of makes sense okay steener 77 asked have you done genetic testing or food sensitivity testing or seen a functional doctor? Did you find any of that useful? If yes, y'all want to hear a funny story? <laughs> I have yet to take a food sensitivity, an official food sensitivity test, and I have yet to see a functional doctor. This <laughs> uncharted territories. All of my notes have been things that I've collected on myself over the years and have seen really great Uh, successes. For example, I used to have really terrible headaches uh, when I was eating plain old wheat bread and then I cut that out and a lot of my headaches subsided. So they've been observations that I've done on my own. I am getting ready to do a test, a food sensitivity test, but something to remember about food sensitivity tests is the results you're going to get back from a test like that, they're going to, a percentage of that is going to be true absolutely true for you. Like you are allergic to bananas, you know, just hypothetically throwing that out there. But another large part of that is going to change because your food sensitivities are kind of sitting on a track next to your gut health. And depending on where you are in terms of how healthy your gut is right now, maybe you took a round of antibiotics. Maybe you're taking a lot of um, over-the-counter pain meds like ibuprofen and acetaminophen things like, and maybe you've had a lot of alcohol or maybe you indulged in a whole bunch of bread and just your tummy is not well, over time when we eat certain foods and we eat them all very regularly, a sensitivity can pop up that may not necessarily be true. It could be a very momentary flare. So, you know, food sensitivity tests and gut health tend to move. They're moving tracks sitting right next to each other. So when you get a test like that, it's just a snapshot momentary in time and those are going to change and evolve. So just something to think about. They are they can be useful if you're trying to get to the bottom of a specific answer, but otherwise it could be you know, it could just be a snapshot. I hope that's helpful also. Okay. Let's see, another question by Real Food, y'all. I love it. She says, what do you think of the health at every size movement? I know from listening to your podcast that you believe in finding what works for each individual, but do you think body stigma can also be a factor in negative health outcomes as well as genetic predisposition and lifestyle factors? Do you believe chronic dieting is an eating disorder? Oh girl, that is a great giant loaded question. Great. Great isn't good. A very good question. Um, you know what I do believe in the health at every size. I didn't know it was a I didn't know it was a movement, but I do believe in health at every size. Absolutely. Um, coming out of having a baby, for example, I weigh more now than I did before I had a baby. My body looks very different. My body chemistry is very different, but that doesn't mean that I'm unhealthy right? It just means that I'm carrying around a little extra squish right now, and that's fine. My blood pressure is great. Um, all, of, all of my health markers are fantastic. So I'm, I'm just a larger size, right? So that's just one example, a micro example of health at every size. I do, I do wholeheartedly believe in that. Um, let's see the rest of your question. But do you think body stigma can be a factor in negative health outcomes as well as genetic predisposition and lifestyle factors? Um, it's an interesting question. So, it, in terms of finding what works for each individual, yes, there are very there are a lot of variables that are going to have a huge role here, right? One big variable is going to be how you view yourself and your natural predispositions for what you gravitate towards. If you're somebody, and we talk about this, for example, in the Fed and Fit project, which is currently down for some um, we're reconstructing it, we're kind of we're really just giving it a total total makeover. So that'll be out. Pretty soon, in the next couple months, we'll be accepting new applicants again. Um, but we talk about this a lot there, about mindset and how we, when we walk into a new protocol, just call it a protocol, right? We're just wanting to change a few, a few things or get healthy or whatever our new goal is, how you how you approach it, how you approach it makes a huge difference, right? Your mindset at that time and how you think of yourself And what you believe is possible, if you're going into it thinking it's going to be a punishment for a series of what you would consider unhealthy decisions, then there's a really good chance it's not going to stick and you're going to be a little more legalistic with it than you would have if you were just, at your heart, wanting to be just a little bit healthier, right? Um, if you're coming, and this is, happens a lot around January, that January time frame, folks get off of the holidays, and they feel like they feel like they overindulged, and they say, "No worries, because I'll just make it up in January." And then they go on this big diet, and we all show up at the grocery store, and there's a run on greens. <laughs> it happens every time I go to go to the grocery store in January. I remember January 2nd. I think I went this year, and there were there was no lettuce left at this giant grocery store because everyone wanted to be healthy and that's great i think it's great but are you doing it because you're trying to make up for what you consider to be damage are you punishing yourself or are you doing it as a as a really great thing all right so i think that can be a huge factor in how quote successful you are in finding your new true health um i do think that genetic predisposition can play a huge role of course i know that i'm predisposed to autoimmunity so there are certain things that'll pop up for me that won't pop up for other folks and it doesn't mean that I'm more or less successful or it's more or less difficult it just it is what it is that's just part of my journey um let's see what else did you ask in lifestyle factors absolutely lifestyle factors play a huge role stress how little or not we're sleeping uh, or drinking water or if we're working out those, are all, those all play huge, important roles in our overall health, um, and there are really big factors. I mean, this is, like I said, it's a loaded question. It sounds like, and, it, and it's one that we aim to answer with the Fed and Fit Project, but that is a, it was 100 pages in a book, in my first book, um, and took a lot to talk about there, and that was even what I felt, the abridged version. So uh, yes, yes to all those. And do I believe that chronic dieting is an eating disorder? You know, that's a pretty severe way of asking, but I would say yes, I do believe that it could be considered an eating disorder. I think that anything when you're not trying when you're not just pursuing intuitive eating, right? We eat when we're hungry and we intuitively listen to what our body wants and what it needs, and we give it good things, and we don't view food as a reward or a punishment, then we're in a really good place, right? Um, the only reason I don't always use the word disordered eating is because that can carry with it some pretty ugly connotations. And if I told somebody that they had disordered eating, it might discourage them instead of encourage them. So um, yes, I think that if somebody is chronically dieting, that there is a way out of that. There's a way to just eat to be healthy um, and they can find a lot of freedom. I think this is a great spot to stop and hear from one of our sponsors. Fab Fit Fun is a seasonal subscription box with full sized beauty, fitness, fashion, and lifestyle products. Four times a year, you have the ability to customize the products or choose to be surprised. This is a great way to indulge in some of the very best products that are hot right now. I really feel like these boxes help keep me current. They retail for $49.99 but are packed with premium products valued at over $200. I am always genuinely blown away by the quality of the products. You can use the coupon code FEDFIT, one word, F E D F I T, for $10 off your first box at www.fabfitfun.com. Again, use the coupon code FEDFIT for $10 off your first box at www.fabfitfun.com. Okay, Jerrica Klinker, uh, what a cool name, said, my dad was recently diagnosed with prostate cancer. My mom put him on a vegan diet, claiming that meat will weaken his immune system. What are your thoughts on this? Ooh, Jerrica, that's another, goodness, I should have given nutrition a couple episodes. (laughs) These are great questions. You know, I am a believer in Being an omnivore, I really am. It's what I personally do. It's what I recommend for my friends and family members, my parents, for example, um, when they're going through their own health ups and downs. I never once have asked them to cut out meat. I would ask them to change their quality of meat. There are crucial vitamins and nutrients that we get, minerals and nutrients that we get, and fatty acids from animal proteins that are vital to health that you could argue can be found in animal-based, or excuse me, plant-based sources, but they're really not the same. The body doesn't use them the same. Um, And I have seen a lot of people wilt on a plant-based diet. I, myself, went plant-based. I was vegan for almost a year, and I really didn't feel well, and I was vegan. I did the healthy vegan. It wasn't french fries every day. It was kale and yucca and all kinds of good things, fruit, um, so I think I think that there's a really great place for animal proteins in a diet, in a really healthy diet. I would suggest uh, weaving in, and you know what, everyone's on their own journey, and if that's what your mom and your dad feel very strongly about, maybe the important thing is to support them in that and provide them with some resources. Um, but I would say that some really good healthy animal proteins would be a good place to start. Maybe fish would, maybe she'd feel better about fish. Um, But cold water fish can be really great. Sardines, canned sardines, highly recommend it. You can get a lot from that. Grass fed beef is a really great thing, especially the liver, if you're able to make that happen. So, some grass fed, get some grass fed ground beef, mix it up with just a little bit of grass fed beef liver. Make some meatballs or some meatloaf. I've got a couple of those recipes on my blog. Go ahead and go look them up, but maybe maybe enrolling meat once or twice a week, whether it's cold water fish or some sort of a really good healthy pastured protein would be a good place to start. Not saying that they need to go ham on some ham, right? Have bacon every day. It's not what I'm suggesting, but definitely think that there's a lot to be added from animal proteins in a diet. You know, and we can think of ourselves as plant-based plus a little bit of really, really healthy protein. Um, We always, there's a joke, I don't know if it's still a thing, but we used a lot of the paleo folks used to joke with a hashtag that we eat more vegetables than a vegetarian. So, upping the vegetable content is a really great thing to do, and there's nothing wrong with that. And that's probably where a lot of the motivation comes from. Um, but I would also add a little bit of meat in there if it were me personally. But again, everybody's on a different walk. Okay, Brie Mulaney Mjoln- 10. I just never know. When a name runs together, I'm so sorry if I mispronounce that terribly. She says, what are your thoughts on the Whole30? Oh my goodness, this is another good question. You know, I've never done it. I have never done a Whole30, haven't ever done a Whole30. That's probably better grammar. I haven't ever done a Whole30 and I have no plans to ever do one. So therefore, I can't really speak to it. I believe that from what I've seen, it looks like another pretty restrictive protocol. Um, and instead, I, when I walk folks through the Fed and Fit project, we get them to a place of feeling well, which I know is one of the goals of the Whole 30 to reestablish a relationship with food. Um, and we do it on the project by telling folks that there's no bandwagon. You're not on it or off it. You know, you didn't just because you indulged at your best friend's wedding doesn't mean that you need to start over on Monday. Um, and so I not know that that's a distinction. Otherwise, I have no real thoughts on it. It's not something, if this tells you anything, it's not something that I've ever done, and it's not something I ever plan to do. Okay, Bonnie Hanks said, what do you make of the cholesterol controversy? I make that it is a controversy for sure. It is a controversy if you start Googling it. But modern science, the most recent science, And the most recent literature has essentially said that the cholesterol we eat in our food is not what shows up in our blood panel, right? So cholesterol, in a tiny little nutshell, and this totally merits its own podcast episode because we could talk extensively about it and I would like to give you guys some really great references, Um, but in a nutshell, the cholesterol, for the most part... For the most part the cholesterol that shows up i need to put this thing down i keep banging it on my desk i'm holding a usb drive and playing with it uh the cholesterol that shows up in our blood is act, some of the what we might consider to be bad cholesterol is actually a sign of inflammation inflammation that can be caused from eating foods that are giving us problems but it's not the food cholesterol that shows up as blood cholesterol i hope that makes sense Oh, y'all aren't sitting there looking at your podcast app a little little cross-eyed. Okay, Brooklyn Grove asked a groove asked. I bought some vitamin D pills that are made from coconut oil, and then I heard a couple of months ago the report by the American Heart Association that coconut oil is not good for you. What are your thoughts? Um, that was man. If you look up Rob Wolf, I think he wrote a rebuttal to the American Heart Association's coconut oil uh statement. Again, in another nutshell, the way I viewed that article was it was pretty it man, it was a I thought that it was a gross, irresponsible piece of journalism because it actually paid no mind to recent literature. Uh it really vilified something that is a perfectly healthy food as long as enjoyed in moderation. They were talking about the saturated fat argument, which is something that is a whole can of worms. I won't go into it right now, but I would recommend looking up Rob's rebuttal. I essentially completely disagree with the article, and I thought that what it did is it probably confused the public more than it helped. Um, in and, in it, and Really, it could be considered clickbait. It was something that they wanted to drive they want to drive uh, click bait and you know what also think about who sponsors the Amer- I th- I'm trying to remember go back a little bit. Um, where does the American Heart Association get some of their funding? That's another thing to remember if they're out there trying to vilify coconut oil, you know this relatively benign um, food supplement uh, or f- that folks are enjoying more now than they were before, if they're out trying to vilify that and recommend, maybe some sort of a refined vegetable oil, we have to remember, well, who is funding the studies that they're quoting uh, and where are these dollars coming from? And I have a, I have a hunch, a pretty good hunch, if my memory serves me correctly, that if you do a little digging down that hole, you're going to find that um, some vegetable oil-based firms are the ones that were funding some of those studies. So remember to be skeptical of what you read online. Okay, Bindi Pants asked, I need a date night with hubby. Movie suggestions and a snack to go with. Ooh, I like this question. Okay, a movie suggestion. You know, it's not in the theater anymore, but The Greatest Showman I really, really loved. Um, man, I don't know what's out right now. I'm kind of live under, live under a, a rock in that regard. But I would say, as far as snack suggestions go, sometimes I'll bring my own snacks to the movie theater. Um, what do I like to take? Sometimes we'll bring popcorn. Sometimes I'll bring some sort of a gluten-free pretzel if I want something really crunchy and salty to enjoy. Um, And sometimes if I'm really just wanting some candy, you guys, I will just get a little bit of candy and I'll take it with me. I'm trying to think. It hasn't been that often that I've taken candy to the movie theater. Um, Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are one of my favorites. Um, Goodness, there's some really yummy gummies out there that I've gotten at Whole Foods. I've taken before. Things like that. There's a movie theater in town in San Antonio, actually. And I know they've popped up all over Texas called Alamo Draft House, and it's one of those really cool movie theaters where it's a dinner theater and they have a really delicious menu. So more times than not, that's actually what we do is Austin and I will go to a movie and we'll split a gluten-free pizza, and it's just such a fun night. Okay, next question. We have Yipes28. How do you meal prep for the week and how do you anticipate changing now that you have a little less time mom of two here looking for inspiration well i meal prep i'm not sure if you've seen it yet but i in january we published a program called the cook once eat all week series and uh it was it was a glimpse into like how i like to meal prep so, there's a couple different ways to meal prep. There's one method where you go online and you pick your 12 recipes, right, that you're going to make that week. Real Plans is a great example, but they help you consolidate a little bit. But you choose your 10 to 12 recipes and then you make your extensive grocery list. You go buy all the things and then you sit there and you figure out what to make when. That's one way to meal prep. But as far as I'm concerned, that is a really Time extends, it requires a lot of time to get something like that up and up and going, not only on your meal prep day, but also on the days to come. And it also makes for a very full pantry and refrigerator. So what I like to do instead, and this is the concept behind the Cook Once Eat All Week program, which may be expanding in the future. This is the first time I've kind of hinted at that, but we, you guys loved it, so we might be doing more of it uh, in a different form Wink, wink, wink. (laughs) Uh, But how I like to meal prep is I like to take, I personally like to take a big hunk of protein, a bunch of starch and a bunch of vegetable and I cook it all at once and then I figure out how I can turn those cooked elements into three different big meals. For example, maybe I'll shred five pounds of chicken in a slow cooker. I'll bake three pounds of potatoes and I will wilt Two huge bags of organic curly kale. And then I have a bunch of shredded chicken, a bunch of potatoes and a bunch of kale that's cooked and ready to go. So what does dinner turn, turn into in the days to come? Maybe I will combine those basic ingredients into an Asian inspired stir fry. Or maybe I will combine them into a Mexican casserole. And then all you have to do because everything is already cooked is just put some sauce on it, some new seasonings, and heat it up, and you have dinner, and it makes life so much easier. So that's how I like to meal prep. Check out the Cook Once, Eat All Week. It's a free ebook that you can get right now when you sign up for the email list on fedandfit.com. There's five weeks worth of meal planning available there, and then keep your eyes peeled for an announcement about something else I'm working on. Okay, Amy... VV821 asks two questions. First one, how do I know when my gut is healed after changing my diet for X amount of time? That's a good question. Her second question was, how do I know if I can tolerate dairy? Why do some allow grass-fed dairy on the paleo diet? Um, well, how do you know when your gut is healed? That is a difficult question to answer if you're just looking at it intuitively. You, you know, part of it is digestive if you're not having the same digestive problems as you were before that could be a good sign. Um, if you find that you can enjoy some foods without certain ramifications, right? If you can have a little, a bite of dairy, maybe it gave, gave you a lot of pain, um, maybe some gas pain and things like that before. And now it doesn't, that could be a sign that your gut is healing. So that's one way. Um, it's a, otherwise you it's just it really is just how are you feeling if you're feeling better there's a good chance your gut is feeling better too and how to know if you can tolerate dairy just like i said you try it and if you have a reaction then then maybe you don't right now um and why do so many people allow grass-fed dairy on the paleo diet it's not necessarily that there so when it comes to paleo um there are specific guidelines around paleo right it means no dairy no legumes including beans and peanuts, no grains, no artificial sweeteners, um, in some forms, no natural sweeteners. So it's not that folks are allowing grass-fed dairy on a paleo diet so much as they're trying to change the paleo rules, but what they're showing you is that they're mostly paleo and they tolerate grass-fed dairy, so they're going to enjoy it. That's where they're coming from. And that's what I try to walk folks towards is what we call the perfect you plan. Maybe my perfect me plan is mostly paleo, but I also tolerate dairy, so I enjoy it um, semi-regularly. I also enjoy rice, which is a grain, and, and the occasional corn tortilla, and corn's also a grain, right? So it's not necessarily about what's allowed on paleo, but what's allowed for you. That's what you're that's what to look for. Chelsea's Clean Kitchen said, When did you make a decision to go off birth control and why? Um, this is a good question. I went off birth control. Ooh, 10 years ago, a long time ago, maybe, maybe nine years ago. I don't, I don't actually remember. (laughs) It was a while ago. I went off of it. Probably part of the decision to go off of it was because I was just tired of taking a pill. I went on Accutane when I was a teenager and back then, um, Even though I was, we're going to get very honest, I was not sexually active back then when I was a teenager, but it was one of those because of the severe birth defects that Accutane can cause, Um, I don't think that they would have allowed me back then to take it without getting a birth control prescription. And then, of course, I was also talked into it because of the benefits of birth control, right? Reduced chance of of ovarian cancer and cervical cancer and all of these things and great reasons why. It'll also help your skin, blah, 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 in addition to the Accutane. Uh, So I started taking it and then I just never stopped. I didn't stop for years and years and then I just got tired of it and so I stopped taking it um, and then I noticed I started to feel a little bit better in terms of my overall mood and energy and... And that was also around the same time that I was trying to figure, trying to change my diet. Maybe it preceded that a little bit, but uh, that's kind of why. I also knew that one day I wanted to have a family, and I really wanted to give myself a wide window to get that stuff out of my system um, before I before we wanted to have babies. So that's kind of why, um, from what I can remember. Okay, Bethany Parvin asked, If you don't know where the meat you are getting is sourced, should I just stay away? Background, I live overseas and have found it hard to know where the meat here in Japan is from. Should I cut back meat such as chicken and beef in this case? I eat a lot of salmon and canned sardines. Ooh, interesting question. If I were in your... It's hard for me to tell you shoulds, right? Because it's such a personal... It's such a personal decision. You do what you feel best about. If I were in your shoes... I would probably be inclined to enjoy a lot of seafood, just like you're doing. I would eat a lot of salmon and canned sardines. And then probably on occasion, I would, I would have um, some other sorts of proteins. I'd have chicken and beef, but I probably would default to fish. I would default to things that I knew where they were coming from. Um, But I also eat out a lot currently, and there's no way that my favorite burger restaurant, it's not my favorite burger restaurant, it's the closest to our house burger restaurant. (laughs) We live in severe suburbia, we're way out there. But the closest burger restaurant definitely gets its cows that are, they're not grass-fed, right? But I still eat those on occasion. So if I were in your shoes, I would probably approach it similarly. I would enjoy those things on occasion real food y'all ask another question man you are all over it how does not washing your hair every day and working out happen i would love advice oh now we're into skincare my hair is gross after a workout so there's no way i can skip a wash and make it look presentable the next day already using the dry shampoo you recommended um man i don't know it it works for me um i i do i i wash i wash my hair and I put dry shampoo in right away. And if you're curious about my full hair routine, I have videos and links to all the products I use on my blog. So you can go to uh, the beauty tab on my blog and it'll take you there. I have uh, what I wash my hair with and then my wavy hair tutorial where I show you my dry shampoo and how I apply it, all that good stuff. Curling iron hairspray. So, I don't know. Maybe it's a different, you just have a different type of hair or maybe your shampoo is weighing your hair down. So it might be worth switching that up, trying something a little bit lighter. Um, I know that Beauty Counter, for example, which is one of my favorite safer skincare brands out there, came out. They have a daily shampoo and conditioner. And then they recently came out with a couple other spa-like shampoos and conditioners. There's one for volumizing, for example. There's a Smooth and Control, which works really well for my hair. And I know that some folks, though, if they use one that doesn't work for their hair type, it feels a little weighed down. So I would maybe try a slightly more clarifying type of shampoo and conditioner, the daily shampoo and conditioner from Beauty Counter. I haven't heard anybody complain from their hair being weighed down from that, so I wash really well with that. Apply dry shampoo after you blow dry it the first time, and then from there, that's where I go on with my day. As soon as I get out done with a workout, even if my hair is kind of sweaty, I take my rubber band, Diane Sanfilippo taught me this trick takes her rubber band out right away after a sweaty workout and lets her hair air dry down so it doesn't get all crinkly and weighed down, and then add a little bit more dry shampoo, give it a rustle, and you're good to go. Okay, next question. KT Gilbert 3 asked, I'd love to know what other safer products you use and recommend around the home for cleaning. Oh, funny you should ask. Actually, I have a blog post coming up this weekend and two podcast episodes that I recorded with Branch Basics where we talk about all that stuff. So Branch Basics is one of the brands that's out there that I really enjoy. Uh, They have a concentrate essentially that you use to make a window cleaner, a bathroom cleaner, an all purpose cleaner, even a foaming hand soap. So that would be a good one. Next week, we're giving you a coupon code for Branch Basics, so stay tuned for that. Um, I've also made my own uh, cleaner for around the house, a very, very simple method. I just take Water, distilled water is best, but use what you've got on hand. I don't use distilled in all, you know, in all honesty. Add with a little white vinegar and then a few drops of orange essential oil is what I like. Give it a shake and then that becomes our, that's our primary cleaner around the house and it's dirt cheap and we can make it as often as we need. So that's kind of what I use. Uh, Healthy Lojo asked, any advice on safer skin products for babies, diaper cream, soap, etc." I have two recommendations for you. I personally use a blend between two brands. The first is Primally Pure. I love their baby bundle. They have a goat's milk baby soap that's lovely. They also have a baby balm that's a very traditional, you can use it for a nipple balm, for example, if you're nursing or a diaper balm. I really like it. It's, It's definitely on the more natural side. Um, and sometimes, um, sometimes because it's natural, it's not regulated or refined, different batches could be slightly different. Um, and sometimes if your baby is extremely sensitive, it may be a slightly unpredictable route to go with a natural baby balm. But I personally really like it. I also love Beauty Counter's baby products. They're fabulous. They have a liquid soap that we use also. Uh, I switch between that and the goat's milk soap from Primely Pure. Um, I love their baby balm. That's really wonderful. Um, And their diaper cream, all of those things, all those products are really great. So those are the two that I like the most. Kettlebells and Queso, I love that name. I was thinking about this in the shower the other day. I was like, I wonder, I fantasize sometimes about changing my name from Fed and Fit. I was like, what about Cupcakes and Kale? (laughs) That's a more accurate representation of where I'm at right now then that name probably is already taken somewhere, but it made me laugh. Okay, I've been using the Beauty Counter Shampoo and Conditioner and love it, but find that my hair gets a little staticky. How can I fix that? How funny. Um, We were just talking about that. Um, How can you fix the staticky? Have you tried a dry shampoo? Because that might help a little bit. Um, Primally Pure makes the dry shampoo I keep talking about, and it comes in a little shaker bottle. They have one for brunettes and one for blondes, so get the one that you're the closest to. Put a little bit at your roots and rub it in, And maybe, maybe that'll help a little bit. It also could be, it's probably the atmosphere more than anything. Last question. Cole Driscoll asked, we are switching to Safer. That's exciting. Any question? any suggestions for Safer Men's deodorant? I do have a suggestion. uh, And it's what I've gotten my husband on and my dad. In fact, all of the men in my life got this in their stocking at Christmas. Uh, Primely Pure, again, makes my favorite safer deodorant and they have two options that could work for a dude any of them will work for a dude if if the dude is into more floral scents but two that are closer to a men's line the first one is the charcoal deodorant it has sort of a minty smell to it so if you think they'd be into that that's a good one it's also black so it looks a little manlier um a nice the charcoal aspect of it right detox is probably more powerful deodorant and then the other one is the unscented regular deodorant so if you know that they might be turned off by the mint of the charcoal one then i would recommend the unscented regular deodorant and that's all that i've got for today thank you guys what a fun series let's do this again sometime (laughs) not anytime soon but maybe sometime in the next year but i really appreciate it thanks for asking so many wonderful questions Thanks for being a part of this community. It's such a joy to, uh, to be able to answer your questions. It's a true honor. As always, we'll be back again next week.